Welcome, welcome, welcome to everybody's favorite cinema podcast, Looking California, Feeling Minnesota. My name is Michael McCaffrey. I'm an acting coach and teacher and writer in sunny Southern California, and I'm the Looking California portion of the program. I'm a ridiculously handsome young man, and I'm joined by Barry Anderson. Now, Barry's feeling very Minnesota right now. Barry, please tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm the extremely handsome Nordic director based in the lovely Twin Cities uh, of Minnesota here. Um, yeah, what? Uh, why, why do we do this again? What, what do we get together? I know you just tell me to show up at like early in the morning and we're going to do stuff. Yep. What, what do we do? We I'm just talk person. about we talk about movies, man. You know why? Why do we talk about movies? We got nothing else to do. Well, you know, you know, you know, what's really interesting is I watched a, a, a clip on social media this morning from Orson Welles. It was one I hadn't seen before. And they asked him about something like, you know, does he have regrets in life? And he was like, just going off. He's like, I, people who don't have regrets in life, like, I can't identify with them. They're insane. Like, my life's filled with regrets. And the person asked him, you know, well, what's the one thing you would have changed? And he's like, not fallen in love with film. <laughs> he says the time, money, commitment just basically yeah. took over his life. And if he never fell in love with film, his life could have been vastly different. So I'm going to throw it at you. Do you feel the same way, even though that you're not a generational talent director? That How dare things? you, Barry? How dare you not call me the, this generation's Orson Welles? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's true. And it's funny, having worked in the quote-unquote industry, I can tell you even the people who are uber successful, like the the best of the best, are pretty tortured, miserable human beings. <laughs> so my question is, is that specific to the industry or is that like humanity at large? It might be, it might be humanity at large, although this, the industry um, is on, on one level, it's uh, just littered with broken dreams. And even the people who get to the top have had their spirit and their soul either sucked out of them or they sold it to get there. And the two most difficult things in life to deal with are failure and success. And <laughs> welcome to Hollywood. <laughs> yep. And it's so funny because you meet, I've, I, you know, have worked very closely with really, really famous, incredibly successful, rich people. And they are absolutely miserable, just completely miserable. And part of it is just like you have to sacrifice everything to be at the top. And then you get to the top and you realize, hey, I thought I would this would make me happy getting here. And then you realize it doesn't. It's just you with money. And that's like a million times worse than the dream of, oh, maybe I will feel happy when I achieve something. Doesn't happen. It's like people who win Oscars and stuff like that. If I win an Oscar, it'll just mean so much. No, it won't. Then you'll just be miserable with a statue in your house. That's all it is. So, yeah, cinema is, uh, it's an unruly bitch. <laughs> it's, just, it's just horrifying, man. But you know what? I, I assume uh, regular people go, go through the same stuff. You know, I, I might not be quite as intense. 
because there's we, less less cocaine and <laughs> I don't I don't know if that's true. I, I just think that we we decided to turn the podcast podcast into a philosophical debate this morning. So we did. Um I like and it's going really well. It's going really well. Everyone now that was having a good day is now kind of depressed and like, oh man, is it yeah. should we be supporting this art form that's destroying humanity? Um yeah, yeah and here's that. my thing about cinema, just as like a fan of it, is um there is something so satisfying and so uh, cathartic about a great movie oh, and you are changed by it that's what that's what all great art does and the problem is that you know cinema unlike say you know painting or or music even um costs a lot of money to make <laughs> yes they do yes they <laughs> and, do and so it it is uh, tied with um, you know the business. It's it's show business, and the business is much bigger than the show. And so there are all these compromises that have to be made. And so the the, the art of it gets watered down. The art, artist's intention gets watered down. And so all the people who went into it as artists, and m- most do, I think, but that that gets quickly strangled in the crib and you're left sort of this bitter person trying to scratch out some artistic meaning in the work you do while acknowledging well it's got to make money you know at some point you have to make money for people because people are not just going to keep giving it to you so that's part of it and uh but as a fan of movies when they're when they're great it's it's the greatest feeling i get when i see a great movie the problem, of course, is as we chronicle and uh, on this podcast, <laughs> it's been a long time since we've seen a great movie. Um, we're gonna, we're gonna have to go ones. back to a classic movie here and just have an upper every once in yeah. a while to, to yeah. mix in. Well, you know what I did yesterday, actually, last night? I watched Heat, Michael Mann's Ooh, Heat. Yeah, I haven't seen that oh, in years. God damn, that's good. <laughs> it's there i was like watching it i'm just like it's from 95 Five, I think. Yep. and i remember seeing it in the theaters and like you know it's a pretty bleak story it's about this group of bank robbers al pacino's the cop chasing robert de niro's group of bank robbers it's so well made michael mann's just fantastic and there's the bank robbery scene is easily the best bank robbery scene ever filmed. It's a great shootout. It's so good, man. And I'm just watching it last night. And I'm just giddy. <laughs> I'm just giddy. Uh, but we're not talking about heat today. Maybe someday we will. Yeah, maybe we should. Maybe we should make that. It, yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's not. By the way, it's streaming on Hulu. It hasn't been. It just started streaming on Hulu. It's. It, it wasn't streaming anywhere for a while, which is sort of annoying. But it's streaming on Hulu. You know what we're going to talk about today, Barry? I, I do, but I don't think the audience does. Why don't you tell us? I will. I will tell them. We are going to talk about the new movie, newish movie, The Menu. The Menu, which, by the way, is is in theaters, but it's also streaming on HBO Max. Uh, the, the Menu, it is written by Seth Rice and Will Tracy. Story by Will Tracy. It's directed by Mark Mylid. You know. Uh, whoever that may be produced by adam mckay and will ferrell we all know them and it stars it's got a big big cast it stars ray fines anya taylor joy nicholas holt 
Hung Chow, Janet McTeer, Reed Bernie, Judith Light, John Leguizamo. Now, the movie runs uh, about an hour, 45 minutes. It has a budget of $30 million. It has made $76 million at the box office, which, considering it's sort of a smaller movie, that's that's quite good. Yeah. Now, the story of the menu uh, is basically a group of 11 people who don't... There, there's like a group of three hedge fund guys, a food critic and her editor, um, a foodie guy and his date, uh, a fallen movie star and his assistant, um, married old married couple. They pay a ton of money to go to this exclusive private island where there's a restaurant uh, owned by or run by celebrity chef Julian Slowick, who is played by Ray, Ray Fiennes. He's like the greatest chef in the world. He puts on this incredible, you know, these meals, and these people all come to see it. Um, they're the only ones on the island, except for the staff, and. That's basically all I can tell you without spoilers. But I will just say that things get weird because Julian Slowick is putting on like his greatest meal. And the menu is this, I don't remember how many courses it is, but it's it's all this sort of, uh, it's like a big show. And things go from there. And the movie is a comedy slash horror slash thriller it's uh, and it's a black i don't know if thriller fits in there yeah I'm, well whatever it's yeah. a black comedy horror film that's how it describes yeah. itself um i don't know how much more i can say without like spoiling things yeah, i was gonna say so that 100 sure. there's gonna be spoilers so if you want to go into this not knowing anything that's going on watch it because it's like if you read too much about it like you're kind of like it's not like yes. there's a twist but like if you want to kind of see where it's going and playing out without having too much information this well, is the type of movie that you would want to watch before reading too much about it in my opinion i agree i saw it without knowing anything about it um let's just real quick both of us you go first uh what'd you think of the film just so people can know if they should watch it or not and and then then we'll get into spoilers after that well, let me before I answer that, I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna lead off. Can yes. you can you tell me? Well, would this be a spoiler? I don't think so. Okay. Can you dissuade me that if you're gonna give a log line to pitch this movie to get it made, that this movie is a cross between the glass onion and ratatouille? Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I was like bizarre. I'm like watching it. I'm like, wow, this is literally just a mashup of two other movies. <laughs> my my opening paragraph for the review I, I wrote that that uh, was published yesterday talks about Knives Out. Yeah. Last I mean, the, the, yeah. Yeah. Now I, I will. I'll go first. Then you can go. So okay. I'll just so I like the movie. Yeah. To me. This is what the Knives Out movies should be. It's very clever. It's, it is funny. It's this dark comedy, but it's funny. Um, it's well-made. It never falls into sort of self-righteousness or pretension. And it works. It, 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 is, 
it is certainly entertaining. It kept yeah. me captivated for the full hour 45. Um, it has some issues. It has some flaws. There's some stuff that doesn't really work out, but it, it works and the performances are terrific. Yeah. So I, I would say people should watch it and, and then you tell people what to do and then yeah. we'll get into spoilers. I, again, not knowing much about it, I think that was part of the charm of, you know, if you know too much about it, I don't know how that would change the viewing experience. But it's clearly a well-made movie. There are some really good performances. Uh, we will talk about there are definitely some issues and definitely things I don't think works. But, you know, for this is what you'd affectionately call like adult mid-budget entertainment fair that doesn't get made anymore. And Bingo. this is what moved into like TV shows. And yep. this is like, oh, this is what's missing. Like this is a gap in the marketplace. And I think that's why it's doing well. So I won't give it too enthusiastic of it. Like, Ooh, I love this movie, but it's definitely, definitely worth a watch, especially if you have it available on streaming that you're already paying for. Yeah. What definitely. are you doing? Go, go watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I gave it three out of five stars. Yeah. You know? So it's not like, Oh my God, you gotta say, it. but it's, it is, it's exactly as you say, it is adult uh, targeted mid-budget cinema yeah. and it net stuff like that doesn't get made anymore and like to have the cast that they have for this is is pretty impressive for that and it it yeah there's a bunch of stuff where i'm sure we'll get into but like overall it's just like oh you know what this is clever and it's entertaining which to me that's what these these knives out movies should be you know, people talk like, oh, those movies are so fun. And I'm um, just like, no, they're I, not. They suck. I, I just got a text from Ryan. Um, yeah. We have to stop referring to the Knives Out in the franchise. Each movie needs to stand on its own. It's the studio that's adding the Knives Out to it. So okay. that okay. as okay. a true cinephile, let's not fall into the marketing trap by, you know. Let's they, not. It's don't, okay. don't say the Knives Out movies. There's only one Knife Out. Even though they attach it to glass onion, it's not There's really only nice. one knife out. Yeah. yeah, only one knife. <laughs> yeah. Well, put, text Ryan back and uh, tell him uh, thanks for ruining Star Wars. We appreciate it. Um, <laughs> wow, a shot has been fired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Ryan and I, Ryan and I are dear, dear friends um, who don't talk anymore. Yeah, I was going so... to say that friendship has gone cold. <laughs> gone cold. <laughs> so yeah that's what so to me this type of movie and it is dark and people should know that going in it's a, it's it is dark um but this is fun to me because it's it's like it does have something to say sort of politically but it's not heavy-handed about it um but it does believe in it and it sticks with it and it's it's quite a an interesting message and just the the whole thing just works you know it's it's entertaining it's like one of those movies that you stumble upon on cable or whatever and you're like oh hey i'll watch this this is this is good um yeah that's what i would say so i'd say go watch it on hbo max don't pay to go see it in the theater i mean that that seems a stretch we, we, we might have, we might have missed that window for most people i think it's mostly on streaming now i don't think it's it's, it's playing it's playing here is it, is it still in wide release uh, I don't know how wide, but it's it's still out in theaters. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. So now let's get into it. We're we're gonna get into spoilers. So if you want to see it, you should go watch it and then come back. Um, if you don't want to see it, just listen. What different? You you're not doing anything else. Mind we have a bunch. Of, we have a bunch of people who hate movies but like listening to our podcast. That's 
that's because we hate movies, but we like talking. <laughs> we att- yeah. we attracted the true haters. Like, yeah, right. it was yeah. terrible. Yeah, <laughs> great, great, great. We we attracted all the bitter, cynical people just yes. like us. Um, so let's get into it, man. So basically, the what the movie is the deal is is that uh, uh, Ray Fine's chef character is like just done with it. He's just done. And he has set up this whole evening and the different courses of the meals. He knows everything about each person who has come to dinner. And he's going to uh, sort of, they're all sinners in a, in a way. And he's like this cult leader. His whole staff are just like very militant. They follow his every word. He's sort of worshiped. And he is this sort of self-righteous, self-loathing guy who has lost his love of cooking. And so he's going to take it out on these people by using them as props in his final meal. And he's going to kill them all. Um, And then have all the staff are going to die too, including him. So it's like big, his final farewell. That's the deal. That's what the movie's about. Um, How it gets there is pretty clever. Some of it works better than others. Uh, I have to say, Ray Fiennes is a terrific actor, and he's been doing much more sort of broad-based material in recent years. This is a good fit for him. Yes, he was perfect. Um, yeah, it, it's a good fit, and he he does very well in it. Anya Taylor-Joy is the protagonist. She plays this woman who is a last-minute date replacement for Nicholas Holt's character, who is, Nicholas Holt is this tremendous foodie who just, like, it's his whole life, he loves it. And she is his date. And we find out later that she's, uh, I guess, an escort. And um, Anya Taylor-Joy is really good. And what I mean by really good is Boy, she fills the screen and she has enough charisma to get away with this. And there are a lot of people who don't. Nicholas Holt, by the way, is terrific. He is and uh, he is this underrated, very good actor. He, he if you've never seen the show The Great on Hulu, um, it's about Catherine the Great, um, the Russian Empress. He is so good on that show. He's fantastic. It's a great show, and he's great in it. Um, and Elle Fanning is great in it, too. So those three, I think, are really, really good. When you get away from them, the, the cast sort of the, is, is not great. But they're not asked to do a ton either. So I think that's good. You, you didn't like John Leguizamo? Here's the thing. Johnny Legs, as I call him. Um, Anytime John Leguizamo is in a movie, I'm basically not going to watch it. And I didn't know he was in this. And so there he is. And I'm like, oh, shit. But you know what they do? Because he's just the worst. He's the most irritating actor on the planet. He's a shitty actor. And he just never shuts the fuck up when he, even when he's not on screen. Um, but they use that to their advantage in this movie. I mean, they have him play that character. That he's he a very plays. loathsome character. Yeah, and and he's like this total shitbag loser actor who you know is famous for he has no talent, but he's famous and makes terrible movies. And that's the character he plays in the he, movie and in real life. 
So my question is, yeah, this is the this is the sixty four million dollar question because you know that Johnny Legs has an ego, and you know that he thinks very highly of himself. Yes, I do. So somebody had to pitch him this idea and yes. convince him that this character is not him, and he had to buy that this oh, is not him. No, wait, wait. Do you think? Do you You're... think that he knows that? Like, okay. I want to know. No, like, you 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 are confusing the fact that he is a giant ego with the fact that he is even remotely self aware. That, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> that's what I think is so funny is like to have the kahunas to go in and pitch this to me like, yeah, this would be a stretch for you, but follow me. And the person's like, <laughs> I'm casting you because you are this person, and he's like, that doesn't sound like me at all. I'm going to stretch my. Ass. You're like, right. talk about the narcissistic, uh, you know, complete. You know, detachment from reality. I would, I would have paid to see a behind the scenes of that pitch meeting to him to get him on board because I yeah, think that'd be I, fascinating. I would have loved to sort of, if there was a confessional at the on set, to hear what everybody else said about it. Like if they were like, I wonder if he knows. No, <laughs> you know, I just love it. I love it. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge you though. A please challenge. I thought that. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy obviously was marvelous in The Queen's Gambit. I thought she was atrocious in Amsterdam. And in this movie, I found her irritating. And I did not, for the protagonist, I never got a connection that I felt like I could follow her on. So she felt as unlikable as everybody else, which felt like then the payoff at the end, when you have whatever sort of redemption that there was, like it just, I don't like, she's got an interesting look. She clearly has some talent, but like in this particular role, I did not like her at all. And obviously um, I can, you have a yeah. different take. <laughs> no, I can, I can see that though. And I, and I actually found that I thought that that worked better. Really? So yeah, because it doesn't make her out to be some sort of, so for instance, Emma Stone was supposed to play that role. Um, That's a different movie. Different movie. Right? <laughs> that is a different because movie. She, Emma Stone is so likable. Yeah. And it would be hard to believe her as this sort of, this, this escort, this, this, right? This sort well, of. I guess the only argument I could have, I think I know where you're going with this, sorry to cut you off, is that the way that she was irritating, you didn't see the twist. Like, because you kind of felt like she belonged there because she was irritating and like, you know, kind of one of the, you know, you just didn't know what her deal was. But then when there was the redemption, I think that's the interesting part. I think as a as a as a struggle for a storyteller for the director is you wouldn't want to cast Emma Stone so that she was likable and everybody was cheering for her. And you're like, well, clearly something bad can't happen unless she met her demise. Then that would be an interesting choice because you don't want Emma Stone to die. Um, but I think the first half of the movie maybe works with Anya Taylor-Joy's uh, irritant in the way that was. But I don't think the pivot was done well enough to have any sort of, and maybe they're not looking for any sort of satisfaction, but I just felt like I was very confused because she comes off as like, okay, you know, get the your Ratatouille moment and she's on the boat eating 
And I'm like, you know, what's the, you know, there's different ways you can interpret what that means. And I was like, boy, is this trying to be like a Twilight Zone? Did I miss something else in the movie? But I just had a hard time tracking and staying with her. So like she would hit you in bursts, but I didn't follow a through line with that character. And I think that's what was needed. And I think that was, I don't know how much of it's just a nature of that story, how much of it's her performance, the directing, mm-hmm. but that, that I think is a, a, a very difficult thing to master, but I don't think they pulled that off properly in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, so just in terms of the story, what I took away from her being on the boat and eating is that, um, in a sense, she is simply, she's a rat. She's a survivor. Yeah. Right. And, you know, she outsmarted all of these people. She was the only one of all of these rich, you know, highfalutin people, the only one who figured out how to get out of there. And that's her story. She's an escort. She is a survivor. And those people are not. And she's eating this cheeseburger, which we have to talk about. Um, I'm willing to bet. I would place the over-under on um, cheeseburgers Anya Taylor-Joy has eaten in her life at two. Yeah, I agree. And I'd take the under. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she is so thin. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. And, she, and you know, she, she's a beautiful girl and she's she's dressed in this lovely dress and she looks lovely but i'm just like this girl has never eaten a hamburger in her life and this is coming from someone who i eat hamburgers four times a day that's just that's my diet no no it's a double quarter pounder right that was the other part i was like damn he makes that cheeseburger and i'm like that's no joke that is she didn't order a double she just ordered a cheeseburger that see that that's i mean I wonder, you, you have this greatest chef of all time, and obviously he was making his his cheeseburger, you know, a royale. <laughs> I remember Pulp Fiction. But, like, he's going to make it, and what I think is so funny is he looks at her and it's like, I know the burger that you need to have. And right, you're like, yeah. You know, did he, did he's like, well, if I'm, if I'm going to let you get away, am I going to kill you with this burger? <laughs> is it kind of like, you know, I know you'll eat this. And, like, it's just such a bizarre... I mean, the burger comes out and like, yeah, it looks tasty, but it's also like, that's a lot of f- food for any human being. And this woman that's like 74 pounds and not right. a lick of fat on her body, <laughs> there's no way her stomach's big yeah. enough to keep that in. And you're like, uh. yeah, no. But then when she's eating on the, uh, on the boat, um, she wipes her mouth with the menu. Yeah. Which I thought was, um, that's interesting because, you know, she is the working class person who is not pretentious with the foodie stuff and just needs nourishment and is eating it. And then it's like, I'm going to wipe my ass with your bullshit. And there we go. So that was my takeaway. Now, in terms of her performance and it being there, no connection or less of a connection. um, I would just say the character itself, everybody in the movie is sort of, um, has negative attributes and she's no different. And, but what, what works for her is that just as an actress, she has charisma and magnetism and knows how to fill a screen. And she actually does quite a bit of acting 
just with she she tells the story just with a look yeah. and she does it quite a lot in this movie and that's something that not a lot of people can do and she's quite good at it um i'll be fascinated to see i don't even know how old she is to see like what what is ahead for her but uh you know she she's a, a pretty talented person she's 26 you know so but she she's i think she's a very good actress and that it's because of that and i get it because she isn't very likable at all in this so i think tell me what you think about this you know because okay. she's an escort and i like the progression of uh nicholas's character going from like okay you meet him and he's excited and like he's a little bit over the top but there's like a charm to like People love being around people who are passionate about something because most people aren't yeah. passionate about anything. So I feel like they started his character well, where you could kind of, you know, res, you know, resound with him or kind of connect. And if she really is an escort, it's going to start where she's a little bit more favorable and like kind of going with it. But she was kind of standoffish almost from the get go. And I would have liked to have had, she didn't need to be fawning or like, you know, overly pretending, but like, I think it would have been interesting to kind of have her start to shift more as opposed to starting as far to the right as she did. So that like she went from irritating to uber irritating. Like it would have been interesting to slide that over and see if that would have helped at all. I, and I don't know if it would have been like, like for instance, if you would have had Emma Stone, you had to shift it way to the right to make sure that people didn't like her early and they, they were okay with something versus Anya Taylor-Joy. I think you could have, corrected you know 20 percent the opposite direction and i think that would have made her arc a little bit more of an arc and a little bit more favorable to the audience but that's my that would be my choice yeah you know there's another part of that 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 i've been pondering that i thought was both interesting and clever but also a little unfulfilled at the end which was nicholas holt i can't remember his character's name um tyler that's it tyler he um He's with Anya Taylor-Joy, who Anya Taylor-Joy seems to be quite affectionate with him at, at the beginning as they're waiting for the boat to arrive. And and they then they get on the boat and and they go and they have to, like, check in. And um, he was supposed to be there with another woman. And when you see that at first, Anya Taylor-Joy is just like, oh, and you think like, oh, well. You know, this is either a new girlfriend or whatever, and, or the old girlfriend's gone, you know. And so you start like sort of going along with that. And then you sort of, you get later on that there's the reveal that she's actually an escort, blah, blah, blah. And that to get even deeper into it, um, Nicholas Holtz, Tyler, knew this was going to happen. Knew that everybody was going to die that night and he went along with it anyway because he's such a foodie he's he's a a devout member of this chef's well, it, cult it, it's a cult yeah exactly yeah and i wanted it to be made clear that he chose to take anya taylor joy this escort he doesn't know because he loved that other woman and that's never even remotely discussed I think that would have made it a much more complex and interesting character 
and the decisions he makes of like, he's not a lunatic. He actually loves this woman and he spared her. It was a heroic act on his part. Yeah. And they didn't do that. That kind of bummed me out. I mean, that would have been really interesting if that came about and she's like, you knew this? And he's like, yeah, that's why right. know, my girlfriend. And, and then it's like, wow, what a sadistic. It's like, not only is he willing to go to his death, but you just pluck this like woman of the night and like, yes. you know, you're going to like, it, it, it doesn't even have to be a judgment. Like she might think like you're judging me. It's like, no, like I just needed a quick filler. And it was the, yeah, right. it's like kind of the fastest way. It's not a judgment on you, but you also don't matter. And I think right, you don't matter. That's the and, thing. And yeah. I think that's that's interesting then because you know people think of like a rat, like oh, we'll kill him, we'll get poison, you know, we don't right. give it a second thought. So I, you know, that's the sort of thing with this movie is, I think there could have been more subtlety and more subtext, and they got sometimes it was a little bit too long in the like, you know, like with the three rich guys that were yeah. part of the ownership group, you got nothing from the movie out of that. That yeah. never paid off. It never, like, you it know, didn't, and, and it, those kind of like was wasted. So they were such caricatures and so oh, cookie cutter. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, vapid, the, yeah. it was like part of the room you were fascinated with, like the husband and wife couple loved them, like could have done more with them because that was fascinating. And then obviously Johnny legs, whatever, like his assistant, did we ever buy, like I could have yeah, cared less. Yeah. And at the end, their reveals back and forth. I'm like, this is all throwaway. You didn't build to any yeah. of this. You just literally verbally dumped a bunch of things that we're now supposed to like render judgment on right before the big finale. You're like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, one of the best scenes, I don't know if it's the best scene, but it was just fascinating. And I kind of wished it's the scene where he sets up his sous chef. Yeah. And he comes out and uh, again, spoilers. <laughs> If you haven't left by now, we're going to tell all the good stuff. The chef or the sous chef comes out and he gives this speech and what he's going to do. He's like, you know, because he'll never be me. He's like doing the food service, you know, whatever. Uh, and he, and he, he shoots himself. But what's weird is it's like, I think they were going for a tone shift there. Like you were kind of hinting that something was weird. And this was kind of like the, oh, this is kind of we're going a different way in the movie. The only thing I didn't like about it is it was like. It was so, yes, he shot himself right there. Like there was, you know, they tried to walk it back. Like, you know, everyone in the audience is like, oh, did it, what? That looked really real. I don't know. And I, they didn't give a plausible that like, maybe that didn't happen. Maybe it's still part of the act. Like it should have been shocking, but then you're like, wait, where is this going? Where I felt like the shock also been like, oh, this is the rest of the movie. And I felt like it took away some of the journey as an audience member it's kind of like, you know, the magician's going to do this big trick. <laughs> and it's like, oh, there's no work up to the trick. The trick just came. You're kind of like, oh, you could have probably teased me a little bit more before the big thing happened. Um, and I'm curious if you felt that they, you know, went from gear one to gear four or five and they didn't accelerate through that at all. No, I didn't find that. I, I actually felt the uh, Janet McTeer food critic character was the one who sort of bridged that gap because i don't know if you remember but when the the philandering husband gets yeah. his finger cut off she is giddy yeah because she thinks it's all fake correct and she's 
she's like, oh, they even have the finger, you know. Yeah. And she's terrific in the movie, by the way. And her character is great. And her editor character, the guy who plays her editor, oh. he is such a scene stealing son of a bitch. Yeah, man. he is. He is <laughs> so good. I don't even know who he is. He's so good. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at his name now. Give him a shout out. What is this cat's name? Um, do do do. Where's Janet McTeer? Paul Edelstein. Edelstein. He is so good in this movie. I loved it. Um, but that's what I thought that character was for, was to make the idea. Yeah, I, I agree. They put that in there. But what I'm saying is tonality of the film and how they shot the scene. It was yeah. like, it was 100% real. Like, I feel like they should have done yes. that. Where yes. like, yes. they could have, like with the finger, she could have said it. But then like, it's almost like as an audience, you go back, you're like, but did I see that right? Like, what else didn't they show? Like, I was looking over here and then the body was gone. You know, did the, you know, it's like, but they kept showing everything. They come and fold it up. You see the people covered in blood. Like, it was like they were making sure, like, no, this is 100% happening. There is no yeah. doubt. And I felt like it would have been better to have the audience kind of be going back and forth being like, oh, I think it's real. But then when they look at something, you're like, oh, but are they making me think that way? But I, you know, is this like the 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 Princess Bride? You thought that I would do that. So I switched this. But you knowing that I knew that I knew that you do that. And they go back and forth. Right. And this was just, it was like. They, it was built to let you kind of start to self-doubt yourself. And I don't think they leaned into that enough. And it didn't have to like be the whole arc, but I just feel like there was like maybe five, 10, maybe 15 minutes there. They could have taken a couple extra steps to make you be like, oh, and then you finally get to like, okay, nope, this is exactly what's happening. And now the stakes are really high. Um, you know, again, it's a critique. It's not that it was bad. It's just, I feel like there, yeah. there was more there that could have been, you know, extracted from the movie, from the audience standpoint. Yeah, I mean, to me, I actually appreciated that sous chef scene because, first of all, the scene is is well done, and the guy who plays the sous chef, who again, I have no idea what his name is, you don't expect him to give you anything, and he actually gives you a little bit, and it's it's quite well done, and Ray Fiennes is very good in it, and it's it's a it's a brutal scene, just sure. even if I, there was I, no I, shooting. I love the scene. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I love it, but then I just feel like you know how it fit in it was almost like it was like you know or this is going to sound insulting but do you remember the movie cliffhanger yes, yes i do i use this <laughs> as my example because i remember when i saw that in the theater i was so tense at that opening scene i was just like i mean yeah. and then it goes and then the rest of the movie i was like this movie's terrible yeah it, now it wasn't a good movie but like what i realized back then is like they put the the peak of the movie in the first three minutes the opening and it yeah. never gets back up to it same thing with the movie up you have the highlight five minutes in and the movie never recovers from that and i just feel like sometimes you have to know it's like spielberg realized in jaws he kept trying to insert all these jump jump things yeah. he's like at some point the audience no longer reacts you can overdo it and i feel like this the scene in of itself was great but then cutting it into the rest of the movie and the journey of the audience, I felt like they could have made a couple edits differently or done stuff so that the audience would have, you know, not immediately been like, okay, this is the type of movie we're at. But again, yeah, that's me, a choice. I, I it's, a it's not right or wrong. Yeah. I had a different uh, reaction to it. I, I thought it was, I liked it because it was so sudden and brutal. Okay. And, and the, and the movie is just saying like, you know, because it's taking its time. It sets you up, and then all of a sudden, it kicks you right in the nuts. And it's like, yep. whoa. But you're talking about the beginning of the scene. I have no problem with the beginning of the scene. It's the end of the scene 
when they kind of start to de deconstruct it and people are starting to talk like, is this real? Is it not? They kept the, this is real up all the way through. They never left a, this may not be outside of like, you know, the one character saying something, the rest of the audience is like, no, we see this. You're a dumb schmuck yeah. in your team. Right. I love the shocking nature of the scene. That was great. So maybe we're talking the same thing. Maybe we're not. I don't know. Here's something interesting about that scene. So they, they bring out a tarp and they put like garnish on yes. it. Yes. And he, and they come out and stand on the tarp and they talk and you're like, what, is, what the hell is going on? You have no idea what's coming. And then he ends up uh, killing himself. And they also had these tarps come down to cover the, the uh, kitchen. So no blood splatter would get in there, um, which I thought was that was very clever and well designed. So it happens. And they then they just wrap the tarp around the guy and they drag him out through the kitchen. They carry him out. It's military operation but what's interesting there's it's shot from the dining room and they carry him out and then you see um the body leave but there's this pool of blood actually right at the top of the steps of the kitchen and then the scene is happening and people are coming out of the kitchen but they cut back and that pool of blood is gone so obviously it was like sort of something that happened when they shot they had to clean it up but i was thinking as i saw that i was like boy it would be so great because having worked in restaurants you know if somebody slipped on that blood and fell like that would make it so tangible there's in, in uh in in the movie cape fear the remake um the that scorsese did um in the early 90s i think and uh in it nick nolte is playing the one of the leads and a detective played by joe don baker gets killed in his home they're waiting for a murderer and, and the murderer gets in and kills joe don baker and nick nolte comes over to oh my god i can't believe it and his throat has been cut so there's blood everywhere and scorsese so he's just like i'm all in and the great part of that scene is it could have ended with oh my god he's dead and the family's all upset and oh my god Scorsese lets it run and Nick Nolte goes to get up and walk away and he slips in the blood and falls down and so now he's trying to get up and he's like covered in all this and it's disgusting and Nick Nolte's reacting to it and he's great and I just thought of that when I saw that little pool of blood and I thought like oh man that would really make it a visceral thing for the not just people in the restaurant but for viewers would be like oh man god like everything is not perfect there's a little flaw right um so that to me would have been cool but i i, I just like the brutality of that scene because it is a major shift in oh, the ma movie. major major and so, and it just takes you from there I just, and uh, another thing another yeah. quick point mm -hmm. about all of this stuff where you're just like oh come on but it, because you do have the reaction of like I'm sitting there watching this stuff go down and like people being all militant stuff. And I'm like, well, look, I, you know, I'm no special forces soldier, but there is a fork on my table and you know, I'm a big enough dude. I'll rock and roll with you. Right. <laughs> like, what are we doing? And Ray finds addresses that and chastises them at some point saying like, why didn't you try harder and fight back? what is wrong with you people, you know? Yeah. And I just thought that was clever to put in because it is a question the audience has. They're like, do something. But I think 
see, that's the subtext that this movie pulls off so well that I think is talking about humanity because you talk about everything. Look at human history. Look at, you know, people always wonder, like, you know, World War II and the Nazis, like they always say, like, well, the Nazis was just a small percentage of, you know, the German population. So you're like, well, then that meant normal people went along or were scared right. or whatever. Yep. And it's just, it repeats over and over and over and over again. And afterwards, people are like, why didn't people do that? That could never happen again. And you're like, it happens all the time. It's happening yeah. right now. And we just don't know what is brewing. And so I think it's fascinating because people, if they analyze, they'll be like, well, they're on an island and there's no boat. So even if they get out, where can they go? But you and I are like, I don't want to be in there. Like I'll go run through the forest and like hope yeah. that a boat shows up. It's like, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go castaway style. I'll go eat rats. So I'm like, yeah. I definitely don't want to stay here with the crazies, but at the same time, you might be going waiting for that moment saying there's going to be a time where I can do it. And then the time passed. We're like, Oh, I should have done it before. It's like when that one, I don't know if they were like investment bankers, or whatever, where he takes his chair and he's trying to break out and you just realize like, yeah. Oh, not only is this going <laughs> to fail, but like when you have to turn around and you're like, what horrible fate awaits me right. now? <laughs> that, I mean, that was like that. Oh no. It's like, you got that. You finally got your courage. Well, I wouldn't even courage. It was literally like a panic. It was a fight or flight. It was not a, you know, it wasn't courage. It wasn't standing up. It was literally a chicken move. And then, you know, when you don't have courage and you stand around and you're just like, Oh, I mean, there's moments of that that I just love. Cause I'm like, Oh, yeah. They just nailed humanity right here. It's true. And, you know, it, it, that's what makes it so clever is that uh, not only are they just sitting there because we, we are a, a consumer culture, right? And we're, we're addicted to all these things uh, of being, we're all audience members sort of as, as the world goes on. And we watching the movie are the same way. We're just sitting there just like them. And you're right, there was, I think it was Bill Burr in his latest special, I could be wrong, but he was saying, uh, he did a bit about how, you know, everybody thinks like, oh, well, if I were in Germany, you know, when Hitler were around, like Anne Frank would be in my attic, you know, I'd, I'd do the right thing. Or, you know, if if I lived during slavery times, you know, like, oh, I'd, I'd be, you know, an engineer on the on the underground railroad or whatever and it, you know he points out he's like no you wouldn't you know what you'd be doing the same thing you're doing now nothing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't do a goddamn thing so uh, you know i think that's true and that's part of what makes the movie uh so sort of smart and clever about that is that everybody's just sort of going along because that's what people do. And when the guy throws the chair against the glass, I thought that was so funny because it is this thing of like, you know, oh, watch me. I'm going to do this. Why are you throwing the chair against the glass? Take that chair and smack the dude who's fucking standing guard next to you right in the head. Because I'll tell you, you know what will break? That guy's head. You know what's not going to break? That really thick glass. <laughs> that was what I was thinking. Anyway. Um, so we're, we're sort of, we are picking nits because I think we both enjoyed it. We don't think it's great, but it, it was entertaining. But there were a couple things that I thought didn't work at all. I understand why one of them happened. I don't understand why the second one happened. So the first one is that 
Anya Taylor-Joy has to leave the dining room. She goes, she's sent on a mission to get a barrel or something. And then she has this knife fight with the maitre d'. Oh, jeez. Jeez. <laughs> and, and to me, I just didn't understand why that had to happen. And I think she could have gotten the information she needed, which is finding out, oh, the chef, his love, you know, started when he was young making cheeseburgers. It could have happened without that knife fight. And that knife fight, knife fight is really terrible. Oh, it's awful. It's poorly executed and it's sort of laughable how bad it is. And I just thought like, why, why are, why is this in here? And I, th- by the way, the actress, um, Hung Chow, who plays the Major D, she's quite good in this. She is this very severe woman and, and who's like, you know, just unrelenting. And I, I thought she brought something to that that maybe wasn't even written. And, and I, I thought like, oh, you know, for a small role. That... But that knife fight is just, it's in a different movie and it's, and it's a terrible movie that it's in because <laughs> it doesn't work here and I, I it really sort of bummed me out actually i was like hmm, okay what'd you think about it uh i mean that it was so dumb i mean it was i don't even know what words to say i just remember thinking like boy this is you know that sesame street one of these things doesn't belong here yes that yeah. that, that did not belong there and it's like again she's like 70 pounds and like it's just it's just weird like i wish that sometimes in these movies they would like resort to like chasing each other around a table and they never like once you get into hand-to-hand combat like a lot of the stuff was like okay this just doesn't work and like you know obviously she needed to go out to get the information i'm curious how they would have had her get the information without it but it's like she didn't need the knife fight scene you could have just cut right. that. Still made her go get the stuff. She sneaks around right. and finds something. And she back. gets like, the stuff. She I, finds I don't, the radio. I, just, yeah. I don't know what the purpose of that was. If they just, if like a studio executive is like, we need some action in here. Let's reshoot a scene where they have a knife fight. Like a, that, was, <laughs> Yes, that feels possible. It's just, that feels very possible. <laughs> have you <laughs> been involved in that sort of stuff? It certainly feels possible. Well, because like usually you have an idea when you're watching a movie if the director is just insane. Oh, right. And so this movie, the director wasn't insane. So then the next logical insanity is some studio that's like, we put $30 million, shoot the knife scene. And they're like, right. come on. But yeah, it does, it does not work. It doesn't. Um, and the other scene that sort of bothered me was the uh, Coast Guard guy. So what happens is that this Coast Guard, it, Anya Taylor-Joy goes on this little mission to get something for Chef. She goes into a secret room and then eventually she finds a radio and she calls for help. And then she goes back to the dining room. And then this boat shows up and it's a Coast Guard guy he comes in and you know, everybody's supposed to pretend everything's cool. And he gets John Leguizamo's autograph and John Johnny Legs writes, help us. And so he realizes it's, you know, which is such a movie trope. You're like, oh, okay. And then he pulls his gun and everything's his standoff. And then it ends up being a fake gun. And it was all a ruse. The guy works in the kitchen. And I thought, 
what is that for? Because that to me feels cheap in a way that the rest of the movie doesn't, just like the knife fight. It feels like a cheap sort of, it, it's almost like the, uh, the fact that in Glass Onion, a knives out story, there's brain called again. <laughs> you gotta stop saying that. That that uh there's twins, you know what I mean? It's just like sort of so trite and, and I'm like, ay, yeah, yeah. And I just really disliked that scene and I thought it was so distracting and sort of a, a bit insulting. Um and it's totally not necessary. You could have the idea, of course, is that they would have hope, you know, but you could do that in a different way, you know, like somebody finds a way out or whatever, or, you know, gets gets a hold of a knife that nobody knows about or something. Um, but yeah, so that that bugged me. What, what did you think of that scene? What did you make of it? Um, I mean, I had a I had a sneaking suspicion. I mean, the whole, you know, Johnny Legs writing help us. I was just like, yeah. oh, I'm like, nobody in this place would look at what he was right. written down right. before they like yeah. let the coast guard go that might expose this whole criminal organization. And then yeah. you're like, well, if no one's, you know, looking at it, then clearly he's in on the joke, but then it's like so much of this, like, what, what is the meaning? What does this say about humanity? What does this say about, I like it when he's like, why didn't you guys do anything? Yeah. Like those are the questions that should have been like all, all of those, yeah, a scene or a motivation should be what does this show about humanity? What does this show about the elite? What does this show about sheep? What does this show about, you know, whatever your themes are, this should somehow lean into like, oh, and then you're like, no, it's because of the way your mind works. This won't work. And so like it didn't fit into that. It was just like a technique. And like you said, not a very original one. And so you're kind of yeah. like, okay, well, the rest of it was original enough. Like why lower yourself? to adding that because it takes the rest of it down, but it didn't like, it didn't seem to attempt anything. So it's kind of like that, that to me is like the, they say, kill your babies in the edit room. I feel like that, that should have been killed off. Like that should have not been, yeah. that should, that should have not made the edit. I agree. I agree. It just, yeah, doesn't work. Um, let's talk about uh, the director, Mark Mylid. Now, Mark Mylid is somebody I've honestly never really heard of. Um, his filmography for film is pretty almost non-existent. He's done three other films. <laughs> the Big White in 2005, What's Your Number in 2011. Um, but he's done a ton of TV. Um, it looks like he, so he did 23 episodes of Entourage, um, a bunch of episodes of Shameless, a bunch of episodes of Game of Thrones and Succession. You know, Game of Thrones and Succession, th those are high-end production. Um, and what I appreciated about his direction on this, he didn't get in the way. He didn't try and do too much. You know, it's very simply shot and, and staged. Um, I mean, in a way, this could be a stage play. Right. You know, it's, it's everybody arrives and then they're in the dining room. Um, so I appreciated that. And it's a restraint that uh, too often in movies like this is not shown, <laughs> you know. So, I, you know, it's weird to say that, that like, oh, the director didn't uh, do too much or try to do too much. 
and that's a compliment, but it is in this case. He didn't try to do too much. He let the story, which I think is effective, work, and he let his actors uh, do their thing. And for the most part, that that works out. Um, you know, I know you hate Anya Taylor-Joy, uh, but, you know, I think she's good. And I think my opinion matters more. And I think if she hears this, she might go out with me. So that's why I say that. What did you think of the, of the direction? Give us a little rundown on Mark Mylid. Um, That's how I think, you say his name. I don't even know how to say his name. Well, I keep calling uh, Ryan Rain, so you know we're 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 making friends everywhere today. <laughs> um, I, I agree with you. It was this movie could have been overthought or over you know overshot and made complicated, um, and it didn't. You know, I would have loved to have seen. You know, I have not watched Game of Thrones. Um, I've watched some of Succession. And you could see some of those elements. I think I would have loved to have seen a director, like one of my favoritely executed shows visually that I've ever seen is Better Call Saul. I think it's one of the most efficient, well-crafted visual storytelling. And I would love to have had a director from that series with the sensibility of how they shot that. I think that would have lent itself to this, where you could have maybe been a little bit more clever than mm -hmm. they were. Um, but in terms of, again usually what you and I talk about is like these people are utterly incompetent and how in the hell did they get the job? Well, yeah. this person's more than competent. Like they have, yeah. skill. um, and film is definitely different than television and, you know, things like game of Thrones, I think is like mini movies. So it's not, you know, some people would say it's better to shoot a game of game of Thrones than it is to have a $30 million adult fair, uh, right. you, know, yeah. you know, no name, uh, feature. But I, I think this is again, runs into the, that category of like, Oh, this is where the directors have gone. The directors have gone to TV. You're competent, yeah. non, you know, world, world changing, you know, auteurs there in television. And so if we can get a few of them that have some skills back doing this mild, fair adult entertainment, not the not that adult entertainment, um, that's what's going to make at least quality films that you're like, yeah, I'm glad I watched this. So if a lesson is to be learned, please, streamers, don't go pluck these, you know, the graphic artists and the visual effects guys that don't know what they're doing. Go get someone from television that literally knows what they're doing and has been honing their craft and let them make a movie like this. Cause it, it shows it's not perfect, but it's like, there's someone that knows how to run the ship driving the boat. Right. And let's transition into another discussion because I remember this, uh, I have to look it up when it came out. So years ago, you called me and said, uh, Hey, have you seen that movie chef? Yeah. It's uh, written, directed, stars John Favreau. Yep. And I had, I said, yeah, I'll, I'll give it, I watched it. So 2014. Um, so I watched it and I was like, oh, you know, cool. And we ended up doing, we didn't do a podcast, but we had one of these discussions about yep. Chef that we just didn't record. Um, and it's funny because I was thinking about like, I saw Chef recently. I watched it again. It was, it was, like on hbo or something and and i just watched it and there is something infectious about that movie and about well-made food movies in general you know there's like something about that that like you know just 
it can be captivating. And it made me think of, uh, I remember watching Ford versus Ferrari, you know, in 2019. And I came out of the movie theater thinking like, oh man, I want to, I want to like open up the hood of the car and just start working on shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and so there's, there's always this sort of s- strain of, of, of different, uh, topics that that catch sort of the cultural imagination um and sometimes it's food and i was thinking about that watching the menu that it really does make fun of the whole foodie thing which i'm not a foodie i don't know if you are um yeah i mean we're pretty basic guys Uh, i know barry's favorite food is pizza and I will second him. It's not just my favorite food. It is God's gift to humanity. Yeah, I I concur. And my second favorite food is our burgers. And they go, (laughs) they switch between one and two constantly. Um, But there there is something very appealing about that sort of thing. And and so I was thinking about that, that this movie makes fun of that. But then, you know, there's the show, and I haven't watched it that came out this year, but very successful called uh, The Bear. I think it's called and it's about a guy who starts a restaurant um is on fx and he j- the, the dude just won uh this the lead of it just won gold globe the other night which uh yeah it's called the bear um and you know being an actor uh you know everybody you know works in restaurants and <laughs> because nobody's working on in television or film anymore um yeah, so now that that show, The Bear, is streaming on Hulu. So I was thinking about like film, uh, you know, food films and stuff like that. And I'm trying to think. There was one. Um, oh, what is the name of that movie? It's gonna drive me crazy. What is the name of Stanley Tucci stars in it? Very famous. Booty foodie movie yeah oh, i'm gonna i'm looking up this is by the way this is a great tele uh great podcasting right now i, I like the clicking listen. i was gonna yeah, say listening. he was, he was in devil wears prada he was in uh <laughs> well devil devil's wears prada by the way which is one of the sneaky fantastic movies of its era yeah um it's the same thing as a foodie film except for fashion fashion yes that's that's the thing and it works so really apparently well. stanley tucci likes to work in movies that pillar a whole like subculture that's that's his thing so uh what is the name of that movie it's gonna drive me crazy so i did this movie a bunch of years ago that was inspired by the stanley tucci movie and the script was just awful just just terrible and so i did it and i i just thought it was so funny because the director um didn't know how to shoot food which big night what is it called? That's the name of the movie. Big Night. Oh, I don't think I ever saw that. That's why I didn't help From you. From 96, it's a comedy drama uh, co-directed by Campbell Scott and Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci stars in it. Uh, Minnie Driver, Ian Holm, one of my good friends. Um, Tony Shalhoub, Alice Janney, Isabella Rossellini. So it, it's about like this restaurant and blah, blah, blah. So I'm curious because I know you've done commercials and stuff like that. Have you ever shot food? I yes, food and beverage guy, tabletop. Yes, I have. Okay. Now, is there anything you do to make that 
anything, any sort of technique you use to make the food sort of unedible. Yes. <laughs> well, no, but just sumptuous looking like the food always looks so good in these movies. And of course, you know, it's basically spray painted with yes. shit to make yes. it glow and yeah. all these things. So what do you do when you shoot stuff with it? Food? All depends. It I all depends. We've, we've never done anything with food in it. I don't think. No, no. The, the, I mean, the food stuff that you do, every type of food, every type of like, you know, if it's cold, if it's hot, if it's, you know, this, if it's that, if it's beverage, you know, what type of beverage, what sort of reaction do you want? It all depends and it's all like, it's all done differently, but it's all my, like, I thought when I was so excited when I started getting this work, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have food to eat. And then it's like, yeah, don't eat any of it. Cause there's stuff in there that is definitely not edible. <laughs> so I was like, I'm watching all this stuff that looks like the world's greatest food is going right in the garbage can. I'm like, ah, oh, okay. Well, that's not edible. <laughs> the great thing is, is when, when companies send you, you'll get boxes and boxes, you know, if it's like candy bars or, you know, bags of chips and you have to go through and find the perfect candy bar and the perfect chip. Well, you might have to go through like 19 cases to find the perfect one, but that means you have 19 cases of peanut butter cups that you're like, oh, I get 19 <laughs> cases of peanut butter cups. So you, you turn into the barter system, you call friends like, hey, I got a I got a box of peanut butter cups. What do you got to trade for me? Because I can't eat nineteen of them, or I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be on this earth much longer. Hey, no. I got a box of peanut butter cups. You want to be my DP? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let's make a movie. Let's make a movie. No, but I mean, what's weird is the amount of effort that goes into like tabletop for commercial work um, versus you know how much money is burning on the set of a feature. Yeah, like yeah. that's what makes it so fascinating. Is like they have to have a whole other team treating it like a commercial. And be able to have rotation. So like if an actor screws something up or technical thing, like usually around food, it's all around the food. We wait until the food is ready by the prep, by this. Okay, everything's ready. Now we can shoot. I can't imagine trying to go to that level of detail and then be like, okay, actor hit the mark, this, you know, camera performance here, this thing, that, 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 and go. And like for that little time of window where it like doesn't slouch and it's steaming or it's like holds it form and you're like, and now it looks gross. I mean, on the Lumber Baron that I shot years ago, we had a, a, a scene at the table and, you know, lower budget, but like we had a, the whole kitchen was in use and they were trying to like refresh things and bring it out. And you're like that, we we never shot anything to showcase the food looking good, but we wanted to make sure that the food wouldn't poison our actors who had to eat it. Like, you know, if you don't think about it, you're like, this yeah. has been out for four well, hours. I don't know if this pork's good anymore. So we were constantly oh, refreshing, refreshing stuff. Um, well, you I shot this movie. Um, it was like this New York movie, lower budget, and uh, we, so pizza was a big part of the movie, and we had one pizza for, for the whole for four days that we were shooting this thing, and uh, you know, so we, we weren't, you know, it got to the point where you, you weren't actually eating the pizza; it was just like sort of there. But I, you know, you think about it now, and it's like. What's well, this New York movie and like New York pizzas featured? You gotta make that sort of part of it. And then the other movie, which I mentioned earlier, a big part of it was the food. Like that was a big, important part of the movie and trying to sell the movie and stuff. And they just didn't know how to shoot it. Like they, they, it was about like making these like peach, I don't know, cobbler things. I don't even remember peach pie or something but like you have to get close-ups of 
the peaches, skinning the peaches, cutting the peaches. You have to see how succulent they are. You have to have the sound, by the way, is vital in those situations. Big, big Big deal. And it's so hard to do on a smaller budget because you got to have people who know what they're doing and who are committed to doing that. That's painstaking work. And how to like getting how moist that people like, uh, you know, and then having the sound to, to accompany that stuff. And so they, they didn't have any of that. Of course, it didn't work and the script wasn't good anyway. But um, yeah, it's so it's just funny. Food movies are are funny. They can be like anything. Anytime a movie can tap into something. Like, I don't drink alcohol at all, but like when um, Sideways came out and people, I don't know about in your circle, people went bananas with the wine shit. Everybody became a wine person. Uh, You know, my wife worked in a restaurant and like wanted to literally just bludgeon people who were all about the Pinot Noir and just like just wanted to kill people. And so that sort of thing, I always find that appealing when a movie can do that and the menu doesn't really do that it does make fun of it though yes. which i think is i mean my, is... my my favorite part in the movie is when they brought out the condiments for the bread but no yes. bread <laughs> and it, it, it was like like i i understood both sides like the the rich guys at the table that were like come on just i'll i'll pay you under the table just bring me bread. some bread and then the people are like Cause like there's times I remember I was out in LA years ago. Uh, speaking of hamburgers, have you ever eaten an umami burger? No. Okay. The favorite burgers I've ever had in my life. And I remember going in cause I'd heard about them and there was like this burger. It had like a bird, you know, the, 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 the bun, the patty, some sort of cheese and some like green chilies. I'm like, Oh, that, that looks good. No ketchup, no mustard, like nothing. It's like literally you get three things in a bun and I, I asked the guy, I'm like, what can oh, I, sure. and, and they just go, no. And it was, <laughs> I was like, I mean, it's not a fancy restaurant. I'm just like, you know, glorified casual. I'm like, oh, okay. And it came out and I took my first bite and it was like perfection. Yeah. It was the right moisture in the, in the, in the patty. It didn't like, there's no grease that ran down the bun. Held, like, and I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is the first time I've actually eaten food where you had somebody that understood from A to Z and the whole experience. You're like, now I can understand. Like there yeah. is a way where like a chef knows better than I do. And I just have to shut up and like, take it. The yeah. reason that we learn not to is we never come across chefs. And the, usually the chefs you do are the ones that make you eat the condiments without bread. And therefore you hate them more. <laughs> like, true chef will figure out a way to make that perfect thing that you connect with. So it's, it's just, it's just interesting. Yeah, it is. Um, all right, so the menu is doing well. It did again. It made seventy six million on a thirty million dollar budget. And while we wouldn't recommend you go pay for it and see it in the theater uh, on streaming, it's good. But it's good that it, a movie like this does well because yes. these movies are dying. And this Correct. movie is, by the way, is perfect for streaming. Perfect. It's like not huge. It's contained. You can do your thing. It's not over two hours um so it's 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 a nice thing (laughs) it's not going to win awards nor should it but it's just one of those things that like you watch it and you're like okay that was worth my time 
and I enjoyed it. Made me laugh a couple times, you know, so it's good. Any final thoughts on the menu, Barry? No, I mean, I agree with you. I think this is the type of movie we need to support. I think, you know, the more movies we get like this, the better. Hopefully they can improve some of them. But I mean, this is, with the amount of content that we consume, this is clearly in the top, you know, Twenty five percent of things that you're going to watch, so please, oh, please yeah. go support yeah. it and 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 give it your time and effort. Definitely, definitely. All right, everybody, uh, we appreciate you tuning in to our Look at California Film Minnesota podcast on the menu, which both of us uh, give a thumbs up to. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time at the movies. Ah, so what people don't know is that you weigh 63 pounds and have never eaten meat, gluten, or anything else. So it's really weird to hear you talk about uh, food, because I don't think I've ever watched you eat food or drink liquids. I don't really know what sustains you in life. Uh, Love. Love sustains me. And, And bitterness and anger. Those are the three things that sustained me yeah no i mean I, i've definitely put on weight um i'm up to uh, 68 pounds right okay. now so um i gotta cut back and i don't exercise either all yeah. i do is lie lie there and watch well, there's not a, there's not enough calories to like move your body around there's right. there's, exactly. no, there's no coal in the furnace <laughs> that's exactly right no but uh, i appreciate those menu guys uh Sending us all that free food yeah. so that we give them a positive review. I you love know, it. All those peanut butter cups. <laughs> and isn't your favorite food peanut butter cups on pizza? Isn't that it? Um, I've never had it, but I might make that tonight because I do love <laughs> peanut butter cups and I do love pizza. So why not give it a try? It's a dessert pizza. Can you imagine there being people who don't like pizza and don't like peanut butter cups? I'm sure there are people out there who like that. My cousin growing up did not like pizza. And I literally felt like he was an alien. I'm like, out of all the combinations of pizza, you can't find a pizza that you like. It's just like, it doesn't resonate with you. What about just plain pizza? That's what I'm saying. Like, (laughs) I don't, you could do anything. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I would say this. I don't know your cousin, but like, he's a serial killer. I I know. I feel like you could murder him and and it wouldn't, nobody would care. They just be like, ah, you know what? He did the pizza defense. Yep. As a freak. Ay, ay, ay. All right. Good talking, <laughs> brother. Good talking, man.